Hello and welcome to the Edge of the Box Football Podcast, the show where we aim to challenge football convention with thought-provoking and outside-of-the-box points of view. Who would you say is the most versatile footballer in the world? Well, actually, let me pose a better question. If you were to pick one player to play in every position across an entire starting eleven, goalkeeper, fullback, centre-mid, advanced, trequartista, you name it, who would you pick? We'll give you our picks at the top of the show. And as Man City ticky-tacker their way out of a hefty European ban, we talk about what changes we'd make to financial fair play. And we also discuss whether the Premier League should introduce a wage cap. And as always, feel free to get in touch with us on Twitter to let us know how brilliant we are at Edge of the Box Pod. I'm your host, Harry Brent. You've all heard of the famous Liverpool's chant, we all dream of a team of carriers. Um... Obviously, we don't all dream of a team of Carragher's. Um, well, depends on what you want out of your football. But generally, I would suggest that a team of Carragher's would probably not win a football match, let alone um, a competition. Famously, Jose Mourinho said when he was manager of Chelsea that a team of Azpilicuetas would win the Champions League. I similarly think that was a little bit misguided. But with both of those things in mind, the homework I've assigned you guys half an hour ago, was to um, think up who you believe would be the best player to have in every position uh, in your team. Who would, be the, who would be the player? So he's going in goal, he's going up front, he's centre-back, he's, he's full-back, everything. All positions. Um, who, yeah, who would, you, who would you pick and why? Okay. <laughs> so the player that I went for was um, Patrick Vieira. So, the reason I went for Patrick there is because obviously his high athleticism, pace and strength, I think I was especially looking at the um, the core of the team for that. So, centre-back, um, centre-mid and up-front in particular. So, I feel with those attributes that I just named, I feel that he'll be perfect. He's also got the height for going in goal as well. So, you wouldn't want like a shorter player in there. Fullback, he might struggle with because he's not got blistering pace, but I think he's got the defensive capabilities to at least be solid in that sense, maybe not going forward. Yeah. Wing, again, probably the same, not got blistering pace, but he can deliver a ball and he'll yeah, give he's sort te- of technically he's good, so you're not going to yeah. have any problems there. Yeah, so I think he'll just be solid. And I think, like I said, the core of the team is probably the most important. So I feel like he's got all the capabilities. Up front as well, he's got the high technical ability, like you just said as well. I'm sure he can grab a goal as well. You're not expecting him to, um, you know, have no weaknesses. Obviously, there's, there's always going to be weaknesses. But, I, but yeah, not, not, many, not many goals in, in Vieira. But again, I, I, that's not, you know, if he picked a goal scorer, he'd concede a load. So I'm not poking hot too many holes but yeah not many goals there but um but yeah no I can't I can't really uh, I can't really say is uh, you know ha- I don't really have m- many objections to that I think uh, in in some ways that kind of trumps my uh, the one I chose but um uh we'll see has anyone has anyone got anything else they'd like to offer up well so I have decided to go um with the midfielder as well as I imagine would be the, the obvious choice. Is it so I've gone for more of a, a Zidane type. Is it, is, it, is it Zidane? It's, it's actually Zidane. Zidane. Tim, Tim Sherwood. Um, no. <laughs> oh, I was, I was going I was, I was to say James Milner based on the, um, the Carragher 
Yeah, <laughs> certainly he's got. Yeah, I mean, that's you. That wouldn't not wouldn't be the worst. Yeah, wouldn't be the worst shout. Yeah. Yeah. So um. So Zidane is your is your pick. Yeah, Zidane's my choice. I feel like you know, if you if you have a team full of Zidane's, I, I don't think it matters all too much what the opposition's got. Cause you wouldn't ever get the ball off them anywhere. You wouldn't lose, you wouldn't lose the ball. Yeah. You yeah. Better, you better, you better every, hope every he, pass would be inch perfect. I was going to say, you better hope he box. never misses the target with his shots, otherwise the opposition get, is getting that ball back. <laughs> every every shot they aim for. Yeah, his I don't think so. Corner. <laughs> um, but no, obviously, like, obviously, you watch the best bits before before I'm yeah. there. Like, you know, yeah, unlike well. everyone, I mean, it turns like Gareth Barry into Lionel Messi. Yeah. For like nine minutes, but still, it's oh. yeah, Zidane's a good shout. Well, I think you've got that height as well, like with Vieira. You've maybe not got as much pace, and so you might struggle on the wing. But yeah, play more centrally. Yeah, where I'll, it I'll ten people in centre mid. Yeah, you could do like a narrow diamond. That could work. Yeah, he could. He could be like a kind of in terms of the, the Zidane on the wing, he could be like a Beckham in the Beckham, sense of yeah. not much pace, but all the technical Crossing ability in the world. And, uh, yeah, um, You've got plenty of goals there. Um, yeah, and that's, that's all you need. I mean, I'm sure I said to an Arsenal fan you've both before gone. the season started, he was, he was talking about your defence. And I was like, yeah, but all you've got to do is outscore him. <laughs> who, cares if you, who cares if you can see 200 if you score three? Yeah. It's very true. It's very true. Um... Okay, my um, my choice uh, again. I feel slightly trumped by the Vieira one because I just feel like this is Vieira light now. But I went for Michael Essien. Um, same sort of reasons as as Vieira. Athletic, strong, you know, solid. Mid, the midfield's pretty much solid because because I, I, the thing about like about Essien is he's you know he he got, has a drive about him in the sense that he can. He's, I wouldn't call him a dribbler, but he's you know he can mm-hmm. he's sort of box to box. Um, yeah. He'll get he'll get you eight or nine goals a season from midfield. That's you know that's all, that's not amazing, but it's but it's all right. He's got a hell of a shot on him from the edge of the box, so I feel like he, you know he could do that a bit. He has played right back. He has played centre back. Um, he's um, I mean he's not the he's not the tallest, so maybe goal goalkeeper would struggle. But he's a beefy guy, so you ain't getting you ain't getting much past old old Michael. Would he struggle against um, high balls playing at centre back? Um, I mean, he probably would against against the against the biggest strikers, but he's a he's a uh, you know the bison. He's a burly lad. Like he can he can take care <laughs> of himself. Um, as I say, he's he's been he's played in defence quite you know for for well certainly a lot of spells for Real Madrid and Chelsea. Um, so you know, and it's not his, it's not his natural position, but he can certainly do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you slightly lose a lot, a slightly you know you're not not the most not as technical as certainly not as technical as Vieira and Zidane. Um, a bit struggling on the wings for creativity, but uh, I'm not. I'm not worried about that. I'm not working the ball into the box. I'm shooting from 35 yards. That's that's what, that's my tactic. <laughs> Do you think his best role was that holding mid or like box to box? Yeah, I think Sien is a is a sort of box to box. So like I'd have him in a three, uh, a midfield yeah. three. So. Um, I'd prefer, yeah, have someone behind him, but have him being able to do a bit like the, the role Kante. Well, I was going to say the role Kante plays now, but not the role he's been playing the last few weeks. But certainly the role he's been playing since since Conte left. Um, that sort of um, you know defensive shield, but when we are in possession, spring forward and drive. So yeah, 
but okay. Mr. Rowe, last but not least. So I've not gone for a striker or a midfielder or a defender. Or a defender. Is it Edison? <laughs> it is Edison! <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Just think that. So there's, there's a lot of thought, thought process behind it. So are you are you in? Are you just catapulting yourself into all the opponents and you injured? Yeah, that, is yeah, that yeah. The yeah. Like, they do not want to mess with. That mean that he'll catapult into himself as well because he does that. With <laughs> yeah, point. he will take himself out, but he'll probably come off laughing. <laughs> Would he be wearing gloves outfield as well though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just in case we need to, <laughs> one, one, one of them is going net. No, like the thought process behind it is obviously keeper wise. Um, but his passing ability, absolute distribution, and just he's very physical as well. So I think the actual middle of defence, middle of midfield. I think, I think he played like quite well in goal as well, didn't he? Well, <laughs> as well as that. Bad, yeah. <laughs> obviously, I think he definitely struggled for you know the wing and stuff. Um, but if obviously we've never seen him shoot per se, uh, but if he's shooting any any you know or crossing. He's just as accurate as his, you know, distribution on the ball when he's in the, you know, in net. Then I don't see why not. He, he could I'll tell be you what. clinical. I reckon he could take a banging free kick. Oh yeah, I reckon yeah. He, n- like n- no curve. I reckon just absolutely power drive it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't. I don't doubt because Ed- Edison is is undoubtedly an amazing passer. Like he's just he's got he's got so much ability. Right? Um, my worry about that would be just the sort of lack, the, the lack that he, of um, sort of positional awareness or just generally, you know, what, what the right thing to do is as an outfield player, he would probably have. Like, fair enough, he would, he would be able to do a lot on the ball pretty well. But yeah. I, I would feel confident of dribbling past a back four of Edison's. I, just, I think they would just would come gung ho running <laughs> at you. The like they, wouldn't, they wouldn't think of. They wouldn't think of. Um, they wouldn't think of like. Well, let's know, tweet any, it. Let's see. Let's see if we can get this organised. <laughs> to be fair, he's probably got the turn radius of like Erling Haaland. Yeah, yeah, yeah that as well. So um, equally as good shooting ability, probably as well. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, not not not, not the craziest thing. Though, you know, obviously the consideration yeah, is that you you've got goalkeeper goalkeepers covered, and then you just have a ball playing goalkeeper like you know Neuer or somebody that can work. I do wonder though, like okay, sure, it, like, you, your gamble is that a team of a, an outfield team of Edison's can keep up with the likes of it. You know, imagine if they're playing against a team of Zidane's, let's say. So, I would imagine the, that Zidane every every Zidane will out, be able to outfox every Edison on that pitch. <laughs> Now, granted, they're going to have a tough time against the keeper, but Zidane scoring against Edison isn't like an impossible thing. Do you know what I mean? I just I think, think he's so fearless and he doesn't care about necessarily himself or anyone else, per se. I feel like he's just one of them people that you just don't want to mess about with. So I think that you'd have to play a certain style of football to try and play around him, but he's, he's equally able to pass the ball and distribute the ball. Yeah. Can we simulate this on like FIFA or something? Because I really want to see a team against <laughs> a team of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team of Dance is the team of Edison. It's be hilarious. We've got um, FIFA have got Zidane on, on there now, haven't they? Or something. Yeah, we've got Download like, him or something. Must be in the classic, classic 11 or something. Would, would Vieira and FCM be there? 
Certainly Vieira, maybe not Essien. Sure Vieira was, yeah. Yeah, we could just create him. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Well, when this finally goes visual, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, get that. we'll get that. We'll get that simulation done. That'd be so. Out of curiosity, did anyone else have any any others in mind? Henri, um, <sighs> Henri, maybe. I'm Lam. Lam, yeah. Lam. Yeah, in my yeah. head, I was like, I wanted someone to be defensive predominantly. Do you know what I mean? I, I kind of thought if you have an attacker, you might get a lot of goals, but attackers generally just, as speaking as someone who's played their career at centre back and centre midfield, attackers, <laughs> attackers are just, as soon as the ball goes over the halfway line, they ain't interested. They're not bothered about like team shape or anything. They're just only interested in that final third. Um, whereas like the defender's got to be like is is positionally like on it with every with every when the ball's in whatever area they're moving and they're adapting and stuff. So I reckon Lam would be a good shot. I mean, what about um, Camino then, who's a bit more defensively aware? Yeah, it's the thing is you won't get any goals at home though, would you? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I mean, again, same sort of same sort of worry. There. I mean, Firmino is is just probably a lot more sort of um my brain is my brain is frazzled i can't think of any other word than aware but he'd probably be a lot more aware than um most strikers but yeah i agree like he, he you know I, I still think he would be maybe a little bit too lightweight to properly yeah. sort things out at the back um david louise david louise anyone can't say him sure yeah he plays every position and he's, he's got he's got um got great ability he can he can score he can shoot from range he can dribble he can pass it get sent off <laughs> the only problem is is, is the, yeah, the defence that's the problem the thing <laughs> is with David Louise he has a uh, a mistake that'll cost you a goal every 10 games every so 10 if you're games. playing 10 of them yeah then you'll oh, you'll be you'll be conceding yeah. a goal again just that's, from a David Louise you'll have a goal to cost you a just from a mistake yeah <laughs> this is not this is before the position's even touched it you're conceding a goal <laughs> You're already a gold <laughs> poor, old, I mean, poor old David Luiz. I know we touched him on the group chat, but like that flipping Kalazinac mistake yeah. and then cameras he's, he's straight to David Luiz. He's completely wrong his old man. Why didn't he play yeah. it to his left foot? And, and like, exactly. And, and diagonally even, across to his right Even if David Luiz... He had to change his whole body to kind of go back and try and get it. Yeah. If, um, it's like it's harder what Klasnach did <laughs> than just yeah. played a film. It was actually impressively quite bad. But. Even if um, David David Luiz had been hadn't been moving towards the fullback mm. position, like and he had been in the position that Klasnach had passed it to him, he would have been so under pressure from whoever it was, Son or or Son, whoever yeah. was pressing him. Like it was just the wrong pass in all in all sense of the imagination. But again, David Luiz is like even did you see was, Arsenal fan TV's reaction? To, um, Sabios that he could have had. Yeah, just I mean, yeah, possibly. Like Tierney's, there's so many options. Or just hoof it. <laughs> if in doubt, get it out. Yeah, really. They, they, they do say you are most likely to concede when you've just scored. <laughs> yes. And 2 0 is a very dangerous scoreline. Yeah. <laughs> what about um, a team of prime Wayne Rooney's? Oh. Nah. I don't think he'd do enough at the back, though. Yeah, he'd, he'd do well in. I don't know. I think he's got 
the aggressive side to to do well and qualify. Team and, wow. team and Gerrards would do all right as well. Gerrards. What, like a, um, oh, a Josh Kimmich? Joshua Kimmich. Kimmich. Yeah, you, 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 are, yeah you sort of yeah want one of those players. He's sort of like a, def- a midfielder and a defender. Um, yeah, Eric Dyer, team of Eric Dyers. Eric, Dyers. <laughs> <laughs> Who would win out of a team of Gerrards and a team of Lampard? Team of Gerrards, I think. I think Gerrards got more yeah, defensively about him, and he's faster. So I think he would. He would win that. <laughs> team of um, team of Virgil, Virgil Van Dijk. Yeah, it's it is so funny. I know, like, so I know, like, he's probably severely like overrated, and everyone hypes him. But I reckon the team of Virgil Van Dijk would do quite well. Yeah, so, I mean, I've I've never seen him shoot, him. but but yeah, I mean, heading and stuff, he he'd be. He's no company from four yards. I'll give you that much. Team of companies. We all dream of a team of companies. So obviously this week. It's been the week in which Manchester City have overruled UEFA's... Um... Yeah, Man City have overruled it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no. You got that right. No, we're not, we're, we're going to stay in your room. Right yeah, we're going we're gonna, to... Nah, like, nice idea, but nah, we're going to stay there. In fact, you give us nine million. <laughs> yeah. they've, basically, they, they've overruled UEFA um, with their appeal and... They will be playing Champions League football. They had to pay ten million um, to UEFA, so it got me thinking. Like, I want to, you know, delve into this a bit more regarding financial fair play. So the main like premise of it for the UEFA one regarding the Champions League is that clubs can spend an extra three point nine million more than they earn per assessment period, and an assessment period can be over three years, a rolling three-year period. Is this in the Premier League? No, uh, this is just for the UEFA Champions League, any kind of UEFA competition. So, for example, if Manchester City um, spent like 64... Oh, sorry, if they spent 63.9 million and they made uh, a profit on, of 6 million, that's fine. However, uh, you can uh, submit losses with that are limited up to thirty-five million. So as long as you submit them losses, that's fine. And then, if you're continuously submitting losses after uh, the three, you know, previous uh, the three-year previous assessment, then it goes down from thirty-five million to twenty-five point five million. So the shortening that gap. In which you can, um, you know, you can go over by, and it just repeats and repeats and, and repeats. And I just thought, well, you know, that's that's kind of fair enough to a certain you know, kind of degree. Um, but they just need to, you know, with with FFP, it covers uh, the club's need to balance football uh, related expenditure, transfers, wages, television. So it's not just or we buy a player, then we say sell a player. It's like the overall, mm-hmm. you know, assessment, like financial assessment within them three, uh, the the rolling three year. So um, just essentially making sure clubs don't spend outside of their means. And yeah, 
yeah. not be able to sustain themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. It's such a good idea. Uh, where, where was I? Where was I? So, yeah, and that, like I say, includes television, ticket income, uh, you know, re- revenues from the commercial departments, you know, money spent on stadiums, training facilities, youth development, or community projects, and all that. It's all accounted for. Um, but the people behind this are called the Club Financial Control Body. And this was set up by UEFA, but they're an overseas kind of application um, towards its football licensing system and financial fair play uh, relegations. So even though UEFA set this up, they're not particularly linked up. Like the people that control this aren't linked with UEFA, or they shouldn't be linked with UEFA because they need to be unbiased in every shape or form. Are basically like the Ofsted. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly like the Ofsted. So they're just like a neutral party that will get all the figures and all the assessment periods and they will be able to just go through it all in, you know, a matter of detail. And ironically, this website that I saw all this information said that um, nine clubs have been found to breach the FFP criteria in the first in their first assessment period, most notably uh, Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain, uh, with a range of fa- uh, fines and sanctions that were imposed. Uh, City were fined forty-nine million. 32 million, uh, which was suspended, uh, having spending restrictions imposed, and they could only name a 20, no, sorry, 21 man Champions League squad in 2014 15. Um, basically, they just said like City had made, you know, over a three years assessment, they made a hell of a lot of losses. So um, the first two seasons they assessed, uh, they were 97 million, and then the next season it was 51 million, you know, that they basically didn't make a profit on. Like, they, need, like, they were minus 97 million per se. Um, and obviously, punishments, you know, you, you can get rejected from the Champions League or, uh, you know, the Europa League. And transfer bans. In transfer bans, yeah. Well, transfer bans, I think, no, it doesn't really, I don't think it specifies it for the Champions League I think the the, the next bit which is um, bah, 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 which the next bit is the Premier League has brought in its own form of financial relegation which is not as uh, not as strict as UEFA's FFP so, so the 5 million per reporting period so you're sorry mate is that 5 million per reporting period no, so basically it says here, clubs cannot make a loss in excess of 105 million across a three-year window. Um, investigate uh, FFP, as sorry, as with SFP, investigate investment and infrastructure and youth development is exempt. Is exempt. Sorry, uh, any club that poses losses in excess of a figure that could face severe penalties, introduce, including uh, points deduction. Uh, as well as, you know, transfer bans. So that's where you get your transfer ban. So, for instance, when Chelsea have this transfer ban, that's been sanctioned by the Premier League's version yeah. of FFP, not UEFA's version of FFP. Right. Right. What was the transfer embargo for? Well, my, uh, 
understanding was it was it was to do with the way we uh, got Bertrand Traore from um, uh, gosh, where did we get him? Le Havre, some something like that, or maybe I'm thinking I'm thinking of Cuckoo it was from Le Havre. Um, some French team. Let's call them Leon, shall we? Leon. <laughs> All right, okay. Sorry, Rob. No, that's fine. Um, and then, what's well, so Where is it saying now? The da, 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 and also it says here that the league has introduced a short-term cost control measure, which uh, clubs are restricted in the amount of increased Premier League central funds that can be used to improve player wages as well uh, again so it all basically adds up so whatever you do as a club gets seen by UEFA and that will be affected if you can play in Champions League or Europa League and then um, the Premier League have their version it's almost the same but not as strict there's you know, a bit more leniency so my question is to you guys is now that you know that that's like the basic premise of the financial fair play how would you Either improve it or what's your thoughts on it, and you know what you know what do you not agree with? I'd do away with the um, buildings being counted in your yeah, financial fair play uh, calculations for one, because I know when you're uh, in accountancy when you're running your profits and your losses for the year, any money spent on businesses doesn't count. So I know Tottenham, when the new stadium was built last season, was obviously at a cost of £1 billion. Not all not all that upfront, obviously, but were that brought into calculations when they were reporting, they would have reported a loss that season, but they actually managed to like post a profit. So I wouldn't I wouldn't have that in the financial fair play regulations for what, because if you're not going to have it when you're accounting... Just building... Stadiums, or would you have it? For, would you extend that to like training complexes, or yeah, no, any buildings, any, um, anything. That's any building, any any building. So, like when, say, for instance, if it was an office, any money spent building office blocks wouldn't count towards like pausing a loss or anything, right? Because obviously, you still have that. You still have that. It's just no inequity. Mm. So, so you've still is, got that money. It's just wrapped up in a building. Is that not part of? Because I, I agree in terms of in terms of general um, businesses, but in terms of football, is is it not part of the kind of um, umbrella of trying to keep um, the big clubs or the rich clubs rather from just simply running away from everybody? Because look look at us. Not only can we buy and buy, um, you know, and afford more things than everyone else can, but we also can just pay for whatever facilities we like in order to you know upgrade everything. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But at, at the same time, like I'm going to use the Tottenham example again. Like judging from Rosen's uh, description of the FFP rules for a one billion pound stadium, and we're going to have to like post a profit in a three year reporting period. Mm. We're not going to make a billion pound in profit in three years. It's just not. It's not. It depends, it depends it's not on, really possible. Depends on what branding you do. That's all it is, or what what sponsorship do you like? If you get this Amazon and Amazon. Yeah, so that, that's that, so that's what I think it falls down because well not falls down but I, that's what I don't like about it in the sense that you're right, Ro. You're almost forced if you want to if you want to go that you know down that route of either building a stadium or making a big investment in something you're going to have to fi- finance it some way. And I just think it would be an awful thing for football to suddenly turn into what you know the American sports are, where you have the flipping um, 
what, what is it like you know stadiums named after milkshakes like <laughs> screw that I, you yeah, know. Like there's one in Australia it's called like the Marvel Stadium because Disney and Marvel kind of own it or whatever yeah it's just it makes it just you, you lose the soul of the sport and it becomes so hollow if you're suddenly calling it the flipping um, Etihad you know, yeah, the, the, yeah, the had or like, I mean, you know, I don't mind sort of one, one off, one off ones, but like, I mean, you know, obviously Newcastle changed their, changed their stadium, got it widely rejected. But I think you, you know, you've got some incredibly historic stadiums. I know Tottenham's is, is a new build, but it's still on the same site, um, wow. as Rock Park Lane. And uh, you know, it's just a shame if we suddenly all start, you know, referring to them as these. Um, and also, yeah, I think that like you the want Amazon Stadium or something. You surely also want, um, in a way, you want football as a whole to grow. And if that means, you know, building new stadiums and, and, and expanding into new, you know, areas of, of development or whatever it is, you want to encourage yeah. that rather than restrict it. I mean, Tot- Tottenham having a, a, this amazing new stadium is just good for football. You know, it might not be good, <laughs> it might not be good for Arsenal fans, but it's, you know, it's good for football, is it not? Also, you could imagine like Newcastle fans, like in a 70,000 St James's Park seater or something. They'd sell it out. Yeah. For one, like the club would have more money in order to spend. So then, yeah. they're, um, they're in terms of financial exactly. fair yeah, work, exactly. they're costing more of a profit. Yeah. So they'd be in a healthier position going forward. Yeah. But do you not think that also? I mean, I agree. Like you want the, the historic clubs to, to be able to expand and to grow. But like you were saying, Haz, you don't want football to be a brand, but because of these investors, is that not sadly the direction that it's going in? With your Abramovich's, your Shane Mansour's, with all these wealthy owners, even Stan Kroenke at Arsenal. Mm. Football seems no longer a sport. It's more of a brand, like in America, because it's the rich people who probably see the American sort of sporting events and they want the same thing. So they create the brand, they buy the football teams in England and they turn it into that business. That's why there's a lot of American owners as well in the Premier League. I mean, I'm sure Arsenal's owners are American. Yeah, Sam Kroenke, yeah, yeah. Um, Liverpool's? The Glazers. Yeah, yeah, Liverpool's are Glazers, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say, like, they're like three, like obviously three of the biggest teams. So you've got mm. United, who have the biggest uh, commercial intake and like the biggest amount of money uh, from any Premier League team. Mm. You've got arguably the best team in the world mm. at the minute in Liverpool and Arsenal. All three of them. <laughs> all by we don't get a slogan. <laughs> <laughs> not, not one you like. And anyway. the other one. The, the, the two one losers of the North and then the there's <laughs> Um, it's true, it's true. I, I think, think one thing that benefits Tottenham with this stadium being built is the fact that they've, they've already owned the land, or I presume they own the land yeah. in which they've just expanded. So they have saved probably a lot of money there, but they've still, you know, obviously spent a hell of a lot of money because it's a brand new stadium. And yeah. Mm. And not only that, I'm going to rent out Wembley. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, we are in like one of the best financial positions of any football club in the world, aren't so one um, just on a brief tangent one thing I, I really don't understand about um the new tottenham's new stadium build was the fact that you didn't build a tube station to go next to it there's like a, a obviously, this, obviously <laughs> this won't this won't this won't apply to you guys but like it, it, there's, a, there's a little kind of like very sort of quiet overground um 
station next to it, which is tiny, but the, the, the nearest state, the nearest like tube line, you know, London underground line is about a 25 minute walk. And, and the whole point of that stadium was that the, the argument was to the council, we're going to revitalize the area because no offense, the, the area around no, the stadium is yeah. no good. <laughs> Um, or at least you know it, it it could do with a spruce up and i you know i, I think imagine. i think the club do put a lot of money into the community though i, I think, think arsenal do as well i think that, that's that, that's certainly what they how they argued to get the grant i i mean who knows what they're doing behind the scenes i just you know, would have would have thought like you know creates tubes that's another 10 10 jobs <laughs> Um, but no, that's that's a tangent to answer your question from earlier eggs i i do think yeah it, it probably is going that British football is going, or European football is probably going down the um, the American route, the kind of franchise, um, you know, marketed heavily marketed route. But but I I think if football's got any sense, it will do whatever it can to prevent it from doing that because you, it's okay to kind of go there organically. But if you if you're forcing it out of necessity, if you're saying, look, if you want to build a new stadium or you want to go and buy Kylian Mbappe, you've got to, um, you know. For one of a better word, pour out your you know stadium name or even your club name to some you know flipping company, some um, an Austrian well, software. That's company. why. That's why yeah. when PSG did yeah. get Mbappe, they spread it over a two or three season payment scheme. So it yeah, cost. I mean, a lot of a lot of transfers are done like It was split up over two or three seasons. So then financially yeah. over the three seasons, instead of spending all that money, and then that's it. Because obviously they've had to spend it on other departments. They've done it where it's like. 50 million each year but then then they've got more time to think all right we need to definitely make 50 million somewhere you did that in with um nickel pepper didn't you i think we're yeah i mean but a lot of it is done like that and it's just not really reported on do you think in its ideal form do you think that's what ffp is trying to do almost in a way stop european football from being like the american franchises like obviously they've not executed well but do you think at its core and at its essence that's what it's trying to do keep everything level and not sky high with everything sort of thing well I think when it was introduced in 2012-13 was it Blatter said Blatter who's who's the in, 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 in control of uh, UEFA he just basically oh, said he didn't want that's it. That's it. Not said, but I don't know. I, I don't know I'm thinking of. Uh, I think it says up here that he brought it. He brought it into. Basically, yeah, when, when Shane Mansour introduced. <laughs> he said he's bringing it in to basically stop financial doping. Yeah, no, it's true. That was the. the I, I think mean, it's good idea. To be, yeah, it seems to. I think for my basic very basic understanding it seems to be in there for two reasons as you say to stop financial doping at the top and to prevent clubs from going under at the bottom who are just mm -hmm. taken over by either uh, owners who don't care or owners who are rubbish and can't you know don't know how to and then you have rules about clubs. clubs going into administration and getting 12 points deducted like like, like Wigan did yeah and then yeah, the, the, the what, what kind of rules are these were a struggling club is forced to have the maximum, like you know, negative effects that it possibly can have in that if it finishes in the bottom, in yeah. the relegations on it, does the the the, back, the points deduction doesn't apply till next season. And you're like, yeah, that exactly. Well, that's how just can this screwing a team that it's supposed to be trying to save? Yeah. yeah. How how can you claim to be protecting these smaller teams when you're doing mm. stuff like that to them? 
Well, Do you well, think well. they'll be almost better for to scrap FFP to say sort of you can spend what you like, but as a result you need to then affiliate yourself with one of the smaller clubs. So like with a Wigan where you can't, you obviously want to invest in your own team, but you obviously have to help those yeah. smaller teams to maybe keep afloat as well. Yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a very it's, a, it's an interesting idea. Like I, I don't think it's one that would ever mm. feasibly work in the business sense of the world we currently live in. Mm. Well, like if you like if you reach a certain point or level with your revenue, you automatically have to then re reinvest like paying like a tax percentage, yeah, into another club or something like onto another smaller club. So essentially, just making sure that the entire amount of money that your owner has doesn't get funneled into the club. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the way that you're describing that is is almost like the draft system in NBA. So normally, the, the lower team get like the first draft of the best players that are coming up from college, so they can pick the best players, and then that one player might play extremely well for a season or however long that contract is. And then if they play really well, it, you know, the team might play quite well or, or, you know, they might develop alongside that player. But if not, if that one player does really well, they can then sell that player to another team and get more money. So it's like there is, an, you know, a key of fairness that's involved there. Something like that. I think it's also just re trying to just help to keep, like, like, Wigan is the perfect example. If, let's say, like we're saying, United, they have like the great well. revenue and income, yeah, him as well, like in the world. If they then take like one percent of that revenue and reinvest that into Wigan, that's Wigan saved. That's them not going into administration. So it's more like a, it's sort of like a bit of charity work, but it's just taking a small percentage of the revenue that you have, money that would seem insignificant maybe to a very wealthy club, but will make all the difference to the smaller club maybe. Would it be called the Robin Hood scheme? Take from the Robin Hood. <laughs> it won't be failing, so no. If Wigan... Project Robin Hood. Shout out Nottingham. If Wigan um, have a dodgy owner who can't, you know, who's either corrupt mm -hmm. or, you know, or sort of can't, you know, needs to balance his finances. Yeah. Will that what's stopping that money just going straight to his? I place think, yeah, you'd obviously have to have people in place to to sort of police that yeah. to watch that. How you would do that, the practicality, I'm not sure. But you, it would be that mm. the money is given is to be put into the football club to increase. Well, that's the, the whole point of administration, isn't it? They get someone to go in and basically help the club figure out where they're going wrong and what they need to be doing next. Mm. Yeah, so you probably hire people again. Maybe with that money, you can hire obviously professionals to help make sure that the, that money is being put back into the club and not into the back pockets of the like morally questionable um, owners and whatnot. So yeah, you probably would need to police it. I would also introduce uh, a player wage cap. Wage caps. Wage. Yeah, so I'd introduce yes. Sorry. Wage wage caps. So what, then what would you put it as the limit? What's the limit? I will put it for the Premier League, nothing more than a hundred thousand pounds a week. <laughs> then, they're all off to see. No, <laughs> no because <laughs> because no. Mate, li, like, li, hear me out. Mason when they Holgate get is on hundred grand. Or when they get 
£100,000 a week. That is £100,000 a week. That's not... That, they get £100,000 a week after tax. Okay, so the so, club pays... So 200 grand a week. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd be up more than that, won't it? It's 60 Well, whatever. They pay, depending, depending on where they are and whatnot. All right, yeah. Mr. Pedantic. Jeez. But I would literally be like 100000 after tax. That's pretty reasonable, pretty fair. Because like, I understand that you know footballers need to earn money, but getting a hundred thousand pounds a week, Jesus! Some people struggle to get a hundred thousand pounds a year. I don't argue with your sentiment of they don't need any more money than a hundred grand a week, but I argue with the fact that if if the Spanish league and the Italian league are paying a, for the top players anyway, are potentially playing double, triple, even quadruple that, then. Then what's what's, what's what's stopping what's stopping our best player? Like not not all of them, but like the very top players will will go there if they can earn four hundred grand a week. Yeah, but I mean, that, you, you wait for Juve are paying that for most of their players. No, but if you wait for that, David Hay is on five hundred grand. But I mean, if if you just if you wait for did that and made yeah. that as a, a yeah, like a, like a universal Europe. thing for Europe. Yeah, then, and then yeah, I'd be all, all the league would have to do it, especially all the all the big teams would have yeah. to do it. Have you seen what the Australian Air League do? So theirs theirs is quite interesting. So they have a um, a minimum uh, salary that they have to meet for a, a year, which right. is around two point eight eight Australian million Australian dollars. So they have to pay that in wages to their players. Okay. It can exceed three point two. Okay, so the, okay, right. So the, basically, all their players are going to be, well, depending. I guess what can they reduce their squad size if they want to pay people more and stuff like that? Yeah, that's quite interesting. Or you know, they can just pay everyone a base wage. Or there's, yeah. there's so many things you can do with it. So I imagine something like that mm. that could be integrated like yeah. throughout all of Europe. Obviously, at a much higher level than two point eight and three point two, <clears> just because of the amount of money in the leagues. Yeah, I think that'd work a lot better. Yeah, I think they, they have a weird transfer policy as well, which they can't buy. Uh, they only buy really from each other, like from each right. club. So what they're not allowed to? Then what is it like? No. A, there's like an overseas limit sort of thing. Yeah. thing like okay, I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it's a limit or if it's just a, it's prohibited entirely. Because 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 they, they, they can sell their players, that, don't they? Overseas, they can sell their players overseas for any amount of money. Like like Robbie Fowler and Harry Kuehl, oh, Harry Kuehl's Australian, I suppose. But, but Robbie Fowler and and certain people have gone out there and and been transferred, you know, from presumably not like. How, well, that, that's the question. If you can't buy from outside the league, how do so they only ever have it Australian encourages players. homegrown talent? Yeah, or obviously Australian citizens that are, you know yeah. move there and gain citizenship. Yeah, I, I'm all for. I, I don't see that like. Do you think that should like, include you know, coaches as well? And managers, I think I think it might it might. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not like entirely clued up on it, but there are there are. You're pretty very, clued up, huh? <laughs> I'm I'm clued up enough, clued up enough to bring it up. Well, um, would just, be interesting if that's the case, because then um, yeah, you can imagine sense. like a um a fifty million pound limit, and like a forty million pound minimum fee for all Premier League clubs. Obviously, like forty million might be a bit of a stretch for like Burnley. Yeah. I just think with the whole, if it's throughout, so you're saying that they can, so in Australia, they only buy, can only buy domestically. And if yeah. that then extended to managers and coaches as well, that would be the, I mean, I guess, would, would their players improve? I mean, I know the Premier League's thrived because European or foreign managers have come in. 
like, like yeah. and obviously Mourinho, so it's interesting. Would that be the same for their football? How would the level of football increase if it's all the same, if it's all quite homogenous? I feel, I feel like talented English managers would get more of a chance than mm. they do currently. Because obviously if you have, say, any any foreign manager, seemingly, and then maybe a Chris Wilder up for the same job, you know, if the if the foreign person's quite an exciting or young quite young manager or a really exper- experienced manager, mm. they're more likely to get the job over what's seen as like a, a boring English type of football, which isn't what Chris Wilder plays at all. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens, you know, in a year's time or so when, you know, because if they have a repeat, sorry to go off on a tangent, if Sheffield right. United were to, you know, stay at their level, because often you find when teams come up and they perform well, sometimes they do sort of tail off. Um, the exception of Wolves. Yeah, although they've got a bit of money behind them, haven't they? Yeah. Um, um, not money, well, not contacts. They've got contacts. They know people. Um, you say that, but I'm pretty sure there's like, what, there's 10 English managers in the Premier League at the moment. How many are at... Name them, go. How many are at top teams? Uh, right, so we've got Graham Potter, uh, Chris Chelsea, Wilder, Pat Stalmanek, Frank Lampard, <laughs> Lamps. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, do you think Lampard would have got the job? Had absolutely. Dean Smith, Eddie Howe, Graham Potter, Sean Dyche. I think that's a Graham Potter Dyche. No, I, I agree. I mean, I mean, it's it's Steve the sort Bruce. of they're not fashionable in England, are they? Um, no. Lampard's fashionable because he's a former player, but but if he was if he was just some some Jack the Lad, you know, mid-table player for you know Birmingham City or something, yeah, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. It wouldn't be there. But, uh, you know, I, I wonder... Like, like, they're so different to a typical English manager just then. I forgot Frank Lampard was English for a second. <laughs> I would not say my sentence. And, well, actually. I, I, think, I think a lot of it will, will, has also to, to do with, the, you know, I think with football changing now, um, you know, the way that every top team is, is sort of, has more of a kind of um, possession-based, fluid approach to playing, or at least tries to at the top level. You probably, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you find it changes slightly because I think for a long time the reason why English managers were so um, were so uh, like you know unfancied was because often you know even if they were doing well for mid-table teams you know Allardyce or whoever it was the, the style of football they played just wasn't appetite just wasn't what the big teams wanted and and, and wasn't the right You're fit and, fluid you know, mix. And not so, Spanish football, you know. Yeah, I mean? exactly. And even if you are getting the same basic level from from a Spanish coach, you, you could argue that his that, that sort of style, you know, whatever it might be, is is going to be better suited to a top to a top. And, end of the day, football it's it's, it's it's an entertainment business. So if you're 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 having fans pay money to sit there and be entertained, or stand there and be entertained, mm. then if if that's not happening, then it's not working. Mm. Mm. But like you I mean, know, Brendan Rodgers had obviously a you know British manager. He he had little trouble rising the you know because his when he was at Reading and Swansea they played very sort of attractive football and then he very quickly got the Liverpool job out of that and has done you know has obviously done 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 well for Celtic and Leicester since then. But I think if you if you have the right you know appeal and you you know your teams play first of all successful football but secondly you know positive you know. Um, attractive football, then you'll have no problem. And, and um, you know, it makes me wonder whether this will begin to change this sort of, you know, view of English managers being a bit, you know, stuffy, so long as they're playing good stuff. I, th- I think they're seen as kind of like a, a strong, resolute type figure. 
uh, yeah. often you'll see like if a if an English manager does go to a a, a team abroad, they'll, they'll it'll be for a a struggling relegation based side that's in need of like a stern a stern hand to you know mm. like Gary Neville and Valencia. Or no, I was thinking more of um, I can't I can't tell you what I'm thinking of. Where's the, uh, English guy? Danish. Mo- Mo- I was going to say Moyes as well for Sussy Dad. Um, yeah, Moyes, Moyes for West Ham. Danish league. <laughs> Solskjaer. No, that's Norwegian. What we're talking You're about. You're thinking of um, McLaren, aren't you? McLaren. McLaren. Yes. FC Twenty. Although he won that. Well, they're saying that he won. He was. They won the league with FC Twenty, and then Wolfsburg oh, yeah. were were European. Um, challenging. But 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 no. I mean, I take your point. I think English managers probably have the same. Uh, kind of global appeal is well not global appeal but um, same sort of you know they're as well-rounded as English players they don't really tend to leave the country I mean it's funny to think like in the 90s there were two Barcelona managers who were English like that's mad yeah um, see I so, find it mad that Barcelona English English Barcelona players just the, the concepts of that yeah Matthews and Blumen Gary Lineker uh, Welsh uh, sorry Welsh what oh sorry sorry British <laughs> sorry <laughs> just the just the idea of having a British Barcelona player is quite weird, man. Yeah, Gary Lineker, not, not Mark Hughes, not Mark Hughes though. Wouldn't wouldn't mention Mark Hughes. Well, <laughs> no, go, going back to the financial fair play like cap that I said, the only reason why I'd put it as a hundred, like mainly for a player cap, not managers but player, is like to stop these situations regarding Mesut Özil, where he's on. A massive amount of wage, doing nothing, and Arsenal can't do anything about it. Like, I mean, that's our fault. Though, but yeah, but yeah, would you not say that? that that's not, Mesut, Mesut Ozil hasn't hasn't yeah. held the club to ransom. They Arsenal have given that him of his free will. And like, would you not argue? I mean, because I, I I'm on your side here, but would you not argue that like, you know, in in a capitalist system, you know, if you have the ability to earn a big contract and the and you know the club is not being forced to pay you that the club agrees to you know they want to offer you this big contract in order to keep you from going elsewhere should you not be allowed to to make that kind of money even if you know even if yeah you're already making loads of money but you know look i'm you know i I work really hard i'm one of the best in the world at my job why can't i make 300 well i think i think what you should do is in case of oh i am one of the best in the world i need to get paid xyz amount have a a cap but then your bonus system yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. There's, then, there's obviously then, lot, lots of more incentive to be consistently informed rather than going. Because oh, I, I had an off game for, you know, half the season, but the other half of the season I was fine. Didn't yeah. hit my bonuses because yeah, I don't really need them. Whereas if you have less money paid to mm. them and they rely more on the bonuses, then they've got a hell of a lot more incentive to be hitting them targets. But that's that's I, I I would argue that's up to the discretion of the club and and the relationship that they have with the player because if 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 your bonus bonuses don't work with everybody like you know people have people take different incentives from different things a lot of people would feel if they're financially reliant on scoring twenty goals they would crumble do you know what I mean if, um and and the other thing too I I know that obviously if you're getting a hundred grand a week for 15 years then you're going to be set regardless but you could also argue that footballers careers are, are short I, I think I remember most, you saying this to me right. yeah like most of them don't have any qualifications because they're you know shoved into football schools when they're 14 
uh, and they don't they won't have much of they won't have like a professional life i mean they could go into management and stuff but like you know again is the is there is there an argument that suggests that look you know you're you're right you're right at the top of 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 your sport for a reason and this is the only thing you're ever going to really be good at make as much money as you can not like you know go mad million pound million pound a week stuff but just you know again I'm, I'm, I'm playing i'm playing say again yeah like, and, and and don't get me wrong yeah if you're at the very top you're going to be sorted with all your sponsorships and, and stuff um and i'm purely playing devil's advocate here i i don't i don't necessarily um think this but i just sort of feel like even though obviously we look at ozil and david de Gea and think it's mad that they're on that kind of money then you can look at somebody like messi or you know mbappe or somebody and go well okay it's kind of justified and why can't they make what whatever they mm. whatever they can well, would you not say then that if, you know, if this way of football life is as it is, you don't think then they should be educated a bit more outside, like within the footballing club? Because I know, I'm referring back to NBA, but I know a lot of the NBA stuff, they have to go to college, they have to earn a certain yeah. amount of grades, like to show that they're not just football That's is my bad. life, but I can't, I don't know what one plus one is. You know mm. what I mean? See, I think the stereotype of football was actually being stupid is long past. Was it Flamini or Flamini for Arsenal? Oh, yeah, he's like a multi-millionaire now. He's like a multi-millionaire. He's invented some kind of like... You've got Raheem Sterling, very, very well-spoken, outspoken against the right things. Rashford. Rashford, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Perfect, perfect professional. But I think that's because they've done that in their own time. Like I say, they've done that in their own time. And I think the just the way the the football strategy has developed and the tactics that are implemented and the way that these managers want these players to play, I don't think any kind of (laughs) unintelligent person would be able to grasp that. So I don't think they'd make it to the highest level anyway. Hmm. No, I think but it's very same with any sport. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's very much down to who they are as a person and who they are as a player as well. Like, I don't know, maybe maybe society these days is much more supporting towards footballers, and you know, you, we never know. There might be stuff at the club that does teach them more about. Yeah, I think they do. The like when 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 they have the children, like when they get them in as children or like young young adults, teenagers, and they have them living. In complexes and stuff, they're, they're still attending school. Mm. Like um, I know um, Harvey Elliott played for Liverpool. <laughs> he's, he's still doing his GCSEs. Like, like it, mm. <laughs> yeah, but do you think they, they should cost off for after yeah, football rows? So they should have like people experts who talk them through what life's going to be like after football. Yeah, that? yeah. So then the who's to say they don't? So severe. I mean, yeah, you know, you're right. Actually, there might be people that are there. But I don't know, like when you've just been like well, I know Robbie Fowler bought a lot of property, didn't they? Yeah. So I mean they're just obviously like they can plan for their own futures as much as they can have the futures planned for them. He needed something to pay his cocaine debts though, didn't he? <laughs> that, apparently that is a lie and he's never done anything. Uh, if he'd never done any, if he'd never done any, he would not have done that celebration because how would he have known what to do? 
Thanks very much for joining us here at Edge of the Box Football Podcast. Apologies to Robbie Fowler if he's listening. Um, please, if you wish to sue us for libel, feel free to contact us via our secretary, Kieran Howe. The email is j exclamation mark zz head at gmail.com. For everybody else, uh, again, feel free to get in touch with us on Twitter at Edge of the Box Pod. And we'll see you all next week. Bye bye.